So I was definitely um, mildly off my chump. Off your chump? Yeah, it's meaning. Um, Google it. <laughs> Just Google it. <laughs> off. It's my... it's the opposite of on the muscle. Yes, it's off my chump. Yeah, it's a phrase. It's not Google knew what it was. You're you're still pulling out weird phrases that I've never heard before <laughs> after fifteen Crazy years. Crazy or insane? Must be off his chump. Yeah. You've never heard off your chump? God. No. This is like when I had to explain get your goat. Yep. I had no idea. What do you mean you got my goat? I mean, I like got you. I, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Things just mean what they mean. Just wait. Next time. I'll, All words are made up. Well, yeah, it's true. Next time I'll I'll use hoist my own, hoisted by my own petard. Oh, that one I know. Oh, you know that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've explained that one to you before. This is what happens when your mother is the youngest daughter of the youngest daughter. And so your phrases are uh, three quarters of a century old. Right. Rachel's yeah. Rachel's four ancestors back is the same as like six ancestors back for me. Yeah. Very accurate. Yeah. So there's a lot of phrasing that has survived through yeah. like three generations of being passed down that my... My ancestry has lost. No, you have a long history of not children, but young having young yeah, babies. Yeah, young, young people having young children. Yeah, and that, mine is like 40. Like, they're all 40 when they have kids. So, yeah. Yeah, Rachel's do things like, mom is six years younger than my grandma. Yeah. So, I get to do things like know the difference between slacks and pants and that a Davenport is a couch. <laughs> but I know the difference between a first cousin once removed and a second cousin twice yeah, okay. removed. Well, when your cousins are all twice your age, you don't learn those things. Exactly. You're way not cool enough to hang out with. Yeah. Alrighty. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. This it's been a while for yeah, us. It has been a while. It's time for another episode. I really thought June was going to be like, all right, June's good. Not going to be doing school. We're just going to grind the we're podcast. Just gonna, yeah, we're just going to get stuff recorded. We're going to get everything updated. And holy shit, June has not stopped. Not podcast, not stopped, but like everything else not stopped. I don't and know. it's not going to be stopping. No. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm making progress. I now have all of the come in 81 kilo and the Feast, Sheath, and Shatter episodes on their own stream. They're still in our Strange and Beautiful Book Club stream, but they have been remixed with the new music and put in their own stream. So they should all be available on Apple Podcasts by the time this comes out. So you can go find them pretty much anywhere. Um, I'm working on it. It's Progress has been made. It's just not the progress I was hoping to make. Right. But that's okay. I mean, it's okay. We're still doing fine. Today, we're going to be recording In the Flesh, Season 1, Episode 3. Season 2. Season 2, Episode 3, <laughs> which puts us at the midpoint of Season 2. And two-thirds through the entire series. Two-thirds through the entire... I'm kind of sad. So far. God, they have a lot to do. I don't know. I'm getting scared about how this is going to end. Oh, you mean on a cliffhanger? It's going to be a cliffhanger. It's like when I... I took the kids to see the new um, Spider-Man. 
Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse movie. Yeah. And if I'd known there was a I love it. In it. It's I'd a great movie. You. We got to this really critical moment in the story to be continued. No. In March of 2024. Oh. No. Thanks. Thanks, Spider-Verse. Well, at least it's not a full year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Didn't Avengers do that? Didn't Avengers have a part one and a part two? Yeah, but they announced ahead of time that it was going to be a part one, part two. And I think they'd kind of mentioned that the Spider-Verse was going to be a trilogy, like the Miles Morales Spider-Verse movies are going to be a trilogy. But... Come you on. didn't. You went they didn't, blind. They didn't make it obvious. Probably because people would have waited. People like Rachel. People like Rachel would have waited until the third movie was out before they watched the second movie. Uh, yeah, I would. Probably will. Well, maybe Probably, not. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, <laughs> I really good. don't know. I don't know because I don't know if today I'll be like, yes, I can watch anything I want to watch. Or if it's going to be like, today you are only allowed to watch the things you already know you're going to like. Could go either way. Come on, brain. Come on, brain. All right. So, in the flesh. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. So we open with uh, Fred Preston, which we've seen Fred Preston quite a bit in and around. We've been, he was the guy washing windows. He was the guy who, when they did the PDS scheme, was like, no, I'm a small business owner. This this doesn't apply to me. Right. You, like, you you're putting me out of work. Yeah, you're putting me out of work. This is ridiculous. And they're like, sorry, you're a PDS sufferer. So <laughs> hard cheese. Tough luck. Hard cheese. So we open with him. And... Again, the foreshadowing in this episode, in this show as a whole, is uh, really well done. Because we've seen him a little, but we haven't seen him a lot. And all of a sudden, in this episode... We're highlighting him. We are highlighting him. And so, by about two-thirds of the way through, I was like, oh, something's going to happen to this dude. Because we are talking about him way too much. And it's kind of the tragic love story of Fred Preston... Oh, poor guy. Right, because he was married to a woman, and mm-hmm. he died in a car accident. And then two weeks later was the rising, and then it took three years for all of them to be re- rehabilitated and sent back. And his wife, in the meantime, moved on. Right. Because everyone has everyone except the Risen have gone through a huge... Um, experience, shared experience of the rising and what that looked like for everybody, except the risen, who literally, if they have memories of the rising at all, that 
they're being told that wasn't them and they're not responsible for it and they don't need to worry about it. So it's just, they're trapped in that moment in time. Right. They're trapped in that, who they were when they died. Right. And so this is fairly, Freddie's experience of, you know, okay, so for Kieran, he died, he came back. When he rejoins his family, it's basically the same situation his family was in when he left. Yeah. And he just kind of rejoins, except now his sister is older than him. Right. If anything, it improves their lives to have him back because he died so tragically. Right. Yeah. Uh, but for Freddie, everything has changed because the most important relationship in his life is gone. Yeah. And this is reminiscent of the snap or the blip in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, very where similar. Where half of the population, boop, gone. And then five years later, they're back. Yeah. And they cover some similar things where, like, you show up and your spouse has gotten remarried. And yeah. has, maybe even has children. They have a whole new life, which I would want yeah. My spouse to move on, right. like grieve me, move on, continue to have a happy, fruitful life. But to have that person come back and effectively no time has passed. Yeah. And they haven't had the years to process the loss. Right. So it's still very raw for them. Yeah. And There's a that's what Freddie has to go through. There's a television show where they do that. It's an airplane. They like take off, yeah, they and then when they land, it's like five plop, years later, yeah, through yeah. time. Um, yeah, but he's watching his wedding video, um, because it's like a moment in time where they were happy together. Yeah, and now he's living with her and her new relationship, her new significant other. I think they're married. Yeah, Amir. Yeah, her his, new husband. Yeah, and he was only going to be there for a couple of months. And now it's been a really long time and he's just stalling getting out because he doesn't want to admit that it's all gone. Right. And he wants the life he wants his life back. He he, he died. He wants his wife back. He died suddenly and tragically in an accident and everything from his perspective, everything has been taken away from him. So even though he has this second chance, he doesn't get to do, he doesn't get back his first chance. He's got to move on and do something different. And he doesn't want to. He's right. not willing to. And to make it worse, they do a good job of conveying that, um, what's what's the lady's name? His wife's name? Haley. Haley. Haley and Amir have a good relationship. Yeah. And Amir is a nice guy. He's yes. a good guy. Yes. He treats I liked her well. That. Yeah. And so we can't really – he can set up in his mind this fiction that Amir is keeping Haley away from him. And he works really hard to maintain that illusion. But from the viewer's perspective, we see, oh, no, she found, like, a really good guy. Yeah. And, and he treats her well, and they have a good life together. And then – here comes Freddie, and he's trying to have back the same relationship with Haley that he had before. But she's four years older now. 
Yeah. She's and had he four has, years of personal growth without him. Yeah. And he has romanticized the relationship that they had. Mm-hmm. So I did like that they didn't make Amir a villain. It would have been very easy narratively to make him the villain. Right. And to make it easy for the viewer to hate him and want Freddie to be back with Haley and then make it a tragedy that Haley chooses Amir instead of. But really, they don't. And I. I was really happy with that choice. Yep. Um, but we also go back to Jim because remember what happened at the end of last episode? Oh, poor Harry. Yeah. Jim killed Henry. Henry. Henry, Henry not Harry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim killed Henry, the PDS sufferer who had a crush on her. And she is real, real broken up about it. And wants to do the right thing. She wants to turn herself in. She's like, no, I killed a person. But Gary. Yeah. God, fucking, fucking Gary. Gary. Fucking Gary is like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm not. No. Don't worry about it. No. Just I'll go. take care of it. Yeah. Go back yeah. home. Go to school. Act normal. It'll it'll all be fine. Yeah. So he takes her back to her house. And she's like, no, no, you need to take me to the cops. I want to turn myself in. And Gary's like, Jim. Go in, sleep. Don't worry about it. They're not people. They're not like you and me. Jem is on, not Gary. reassured by this, but she does go in and go to bed. Like, okay, well, I, I'll still have murdered him in the morning. I can turn myself in in right. the morning. It'll be fine. So she goes in, and then Kieran walks home. And this is after Gary leaves, because remember, Kieran was at the party. Right. And he finds Jem outside, and he... He makes a crack about Henry. He's like, I saw Henry at the at this party I was at. Yeah, it turns out he's got the hots for he's you. He's got the hots for you. He was talking about you. And Jem's like, like, oh, God, I can't right now um, because I just killed Henry. And it's interesting that Kieran um, puts a coat on over his clothes. Oh, because he's wearing his his death clothes. Yeah, he's wearing the clothes. And he doesn't he want his yeah. family to see him wearing those clothes. Yeah. Well, I can see that. That'd be yeah, a little triggering. That, yeah, Didn't I saw I him bury pull you in that. Yeah, I saw this, him pull the jacket out of the bush. Yeah, and I thought, okay, he stashed that there to be able to cover up. Yeah, this is um, okay. Sometimes, oftentimes, not always, but when they dress a body, they will often slit it up the back. Yeah, to make it easier to put to on. make it easier to put on. Um. Nobody at the party had clothes that had been altered to be put on a dead body. Mm. Just want to put that out That's a good point. Yeah. Um, Oh, God. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that they did for... Well, I don't know. Because when... The only open casket funeral I've ever been to was my grandmother. And they put her dress on backwards, which was really funny. But it had buttons down the back. So they just put the buttons in the front. But, you know, I don't... Anyway... I just want to mention that, that there are some, but they don't, you know what? Sometimes it's okay. It's fine. Like you don't want to take that into account. You know, they also sew lips shut and sew eyelids shut and stuff your anus. So I'm pretty sure we didn't cover that either. And that's fine. Right. <laughs> In fact, this is a good place to plug an excellent Japanese movie called The Departed. Um, Departures. Departures. Thank you. Yeah. Departures. Or Okuribito. Yeah. 
It's really good and really sweet. Not sci-fi, fantasy, or horror in any way. No, no, just drama. Just drama, but very, very sweet. And they, he becomes a funeral director, so they talk about a lot of this stuff. Or um, the, like the Japanese version of Undertaker. Yeah, the person who performs the ceremonial like body preparation. Yeah, it's really good. Um, if you can find it, I would recommend watching. It's probably it. my favorite foreign language film. Yeah. Because it's, it's just good. Like, yeah. it's this guy's journey. Okay, anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Maybe we'll do that eventually. Uh, but anyway, she's not having this. She's not having this teasing at all. Because, um, yeah. well, for very obvious reasons. <laughs> and then we go back to the B&B lady. There's a lot of characters we're juggling right now. We got... Yeah, this. I felt like this episode was slower. Because it, we... It's because the same we're... reason, like, book eight. Seven, eight, and nine of the Wheel of Time is like the pause button in the series because at that point we have like seventeen people that we need to keep. We have up seventeen with. point of view characters, and they yeah. all need to make progress in yes. each book. And, and they... that's where we're at. Is this was like a this felt a little bit like a slog because there's so many things in action, and right now they're all disparate, so they're all separated. Right. We're but all... so far. This show has been really good at. Tying everything together. Yeah, I have every confidence that we will at least attempt to put these together in the next three episodes. But right now, we have all of these separate storylines have reached fruition, but have not connected. And so we have so many to cover. Because, like, Maxine Martin is on her own mission, whatever that mission is. And she's at the B&B. And we also have the B&B lady, a character, because the B&B lady is inserting herself into Maxine Martin's She's ingratiating herself. Yeah. She brings her a cup of tea. She's like, cup of tea. She tries to open the door and it's locked, which I'd lock it too if the... If you kept trying to just walk in. Right. Like, if I didn't answer, don't walk in. How rude. How rude. So she's like, I'll put it on the floor, shall I? And so she puts it on the floor and then opens the keyhole. And Maxine's, like, psyching herself up for the day. She's like, you're going to do a great job. We're going to get this done. We are so close. And then the B&B lady is, like, talking to her when she comes out, like, trying to tell mm-hmm. her, like, we're all on the same page. We all hate the same stuff, namely the PDS sufferers. And Maxine's like, yeah, okay, um, okay, nosy B&B lady, thanks for that. And then we go back to Fred. Um, I'm glad I took notes for this episode because we hop so much. Because now whoop, we're back to Fred. And Fred's wife is flirting with her husband. They're having like a moment in the kitchen because it's yeah. her birthday and she looks really nice. And she's he made going, her a fancy breakfast. Yeah, he made her like he made her a fancy breakfast, and she's going off to a comp, like a talk a about training it, seminar, some kind of training yeah. seminar. And it's her birthday. Doesn't it suck? She has to go to this, but that's okay. When she comes home, they're going to go out, and he's made a cake, and we'll, we'll do some fun stuff. And Freddie is like. Oh, yeah, you made her a cake. That's real fucking great, Amir. Remember that time I put you in the car and we just drove all night? And he's just got these, do you remember how wild and fun and impulsive our relationship was? In contrast to the very steady, very secure, very comfortable relationship that she has with Amir. And for a little bit, she's taken in by it. Right. Um, because she remembers that version of herself fondly. And right. she remembers... And Rachel called out this behavior as love bombing, which is a 
manipulative technique some yeah. people use. I don't think he, he's not trying to do that deliberately. He's, he's trying to just, win her back. He's trying to win her back. Yeah, he's trying yeah. to win her back. He's not trying to manipulate or gaslight her. But that's basically what this behavior is, is he's overwhelming her with affection. Yeah, which is a form of like gaslighting and manipulation, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure that he means it maliciously. Right. He's not intending to get her back on his side in order to take advantage of her. He just wants her back. Right. And the best way that he knows how is just to force himself, wedge himself into all of the moments that he can. Right. And so he's trying to generate conflict with Amir and set himself up and get Amir to lash out at him yeah. so that he can look like the victim in right. front of Haley. But Amir's not the bad guy. So he's like, look, you're making us all uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me to be here while you're like whipping your dick out for us to measure. And I'm not interested in this dick measuring contest with you. So, so Haley, you promised me, you promised me it would only be for a short time. And then we would be helping him move out and we're not helping him move out. And it's always one thing after another. Well, I need a job or I need to sell my car. And he's like, have you even listed the car? Yeah, he doesn't. Nobody asks him if he's listed the car yet. They yeah, just mentioned a few him. times. He goes, "Is are you even trying to sell it? Is it even up?" Right, and then we find out like, that he hasn't even uh, listed I mean, the car yet. No, yeah, whatever. Come on, dude. I mean, Amir is really being reasonable here. Like he was supposed to be out in August. It's now December. Right. Um, I feel like I have been more than generous. Right, and I like that he, instead of engaging with Freddie. He goes, Haley, we talked about this. You said you would say something. And I've been giving you plenty of space for you to do that in a way that you feel safe and comfortable doing it. Yeah. It's taking a while, though. And, like, kind of like, do you need help with this? This is stressing me out. It's stressing you out. And there's an easy solution to it. And I've been giving you space to do it, but it seems like you're having a hard time. Would you like my right. help? Right. And I recognize, like, this is, you said this is something you wanted to do. Like, this, all of this, like, emotional relationship conveyance yeah. with their short exchange is, like, he's he's acknowledging to her that, like, this is something that she wanted to do. She feel like She felt like she had to be the one to do it makes sense because Mm -hmm. it's her past relationship and he has given her the autonomy to do that yeah and he is deliberately letting her have that space for her to do it in her own time but freddie is like pulling out all the stops on tugging her emotional strings he's deliberately creating an antagonistic yes atmosphere in the household so it's not even like he's just quietly staying. He is deliberately stirring shit up. Yep. And he's tired of it. And Haley, aren't you tired of it too? And that's kind of the theme of their story arc in this episode. And then we go back to Jem because Jem's getting ready for school. And you know who's not getting ready for school? Henry. Mm. And we actually see Henry's body, a clip of Henry's body, and we see the the bracelet. The bracelet that he made next to his hand. That's going to come back up in the most fucking Gary way possible. Fuck Gary. There's a villain in this series. You know who it is? Gary. Yeah. Gary. Gary as groomed by the vicar, the late vicar. 
Yeah, and the, his relationship. He finally had a... He's one of those unimportant dudes who finally found a situation where he was important and he won't fucking let it go. Right. He won't try to find a different, better way. He's just clinging to what made him feel manly. Okay, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. But Kieran's dad is trying to cheer Kieran up. He's like, I've done some research in here. And oh, he has yeah. this printout. Trying on to the reassure lady. him about the give back scheme. Yeah, he's like, and this lady started as a, as a give back uh, participator. And, and now she has management potential. And Kieran's like, I don't know. It's only We've only been doing this for like two days. Like, I don't know how she <laughs> got there already. And his dad's like, maybe she worked really, really hard, Kieran. I'm just saying, it, it, this could not be as shitty as you think it is. And Kieran's like, okay, well, you're not the one enslaved. So like, I don't really feel like yeah talking to you about this but they they're sitting there gem leaves and as she's leaving amy arrives and she's like good morning well, walkers as gem is walking out she says bye and then she's like i love you all yeah oh yeah she says i i, I love you guys gem does yeah and so Kieran and the parents are like, uh, what? What, what did you do? Did Wonders something, never cease. Did something happen? Why are you telling us that? But they get distracted because, of course, Amy arrives. And Amy is a emotional, cheerful whirlwind, whirlwind um, who just sweeps away everything in her path. Because she's like, good morning, walkers. And she's like, you know what? I think Jem almost said good morning to me this morning. I feel like that's progress. And she's just like, <laughs> what is she's like, come on, we're going to be late. Uh, they're not going to. Oh, what is it? The PDS scheme isn't going to subjugate us on its own. Like, we need to go. <laughs> she's like, oh, what did she say about Jim? She says, I think she's getting there. Like, we're almost friends, but no rush. She's only human. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Poor. And the parents are like, uh. We're so uncomfortable I'm right so now. so uncomfortable because she's not wearing makeup, which we have covered, that they are not comfortable with who Kieran is. Right. But they are more comfortable when he hides, when he wears his makeup and his... Because even at home... Which is still a metaphor. Yeah, which is still a metaphor. Still, which a good metaphor. It's a mm -hmm. good metaphor. And we get more Maxine, because Maxine is engaging with the B&B &B lady. And she's trying to get people to give her their stories of the rising. And she's really, like, she'll shoehorn it in, which is really funny. She's like, okay, so where were you during the rising? And they're like, um... I was just trying to get you to order breakfast. But I think we're getting a more complete picture of, because of what Maxine is asking, it's kind of it, We're slowly us, revealing we're slowly to through what the her types real of, intentions are. Yeah, through the types of questions that she's asking. We're getting kind of like, a, oh, this is what she's going for. This is what she's trying to figure out. And it's the same thing that Simon is, which is who right. rose first. Right. Because we know Rorton was the site of the first rising. So somebody in Rorton rode, rose first. Who could it be? But then Maxine is talking to the lady at the Airbnb or the BB, the B&B. And she gets um, interrupted because somebody's at the door and it's Jem because we thought Jem was getting ready for school. But what Jem was getting ready to do was turn herself in. Right. And so she goes to Maxine Walker because she's, she's. And I have no idea I mean, why Maxine you wouldn't Martin. go to the local police. Well, she may know everybody in the local police, so and it may I, be more maybe of like it's a, a little different in England. But you, the politicians, are not part of the it, separation of responsibilities. Yeah, politicians are in the like executive branch yeah. or the legislative branch. 
and the well, she police might be afraid are associated with the judicial branch right. well, in the she, U.S. In the U.S., but she might be afraid that the police. She may know all the people in the police, okay, and she might be point. afraid that they're going to be like Gary and just be like, "Well, he's a fucking zombie. Who gives a shit?" And she wants she wants to be held responsible, right? And so I think she's hoping that Maxine Martin will hold her responsible, right? Because she wants. She doesn't want to get away with it. Right. She wants to be held responsible. So she goes to Maxine Martin and Maxine's like, okay, yep. And then we cut back to Amy because Amy is trying to get Kieran to tell her what Simon said at the party because Kieran and Simon hung out and she's like, did he talk about me? Did he talk about me? And Kieran never even really answers. She just, she's like, oh, he did talk about me. She fills in all the gaps and he just makes affirmative noises. He's like, I don't. We didn't talk about you at all. And she's like, oh, you talked about me metaphorically. Did you talk about parts of me? Oh, you talked about my butt and my boobs, didn't you? So nasty. (laughs) It's just like, just really hammering the like, I'm in love with Simon. And because she told him they were getting married. Right. And last night, Simon was hitting on Kieran pretty hard. So Kieran's in this really weird, like, do you not know that he's not into you? And he's trying to very be gently like, we didn't talk about you. You didn't come up, but Amy's not hearing it. She's just got this idea in her head that Simon loves her or Simon is there for her. And I'm not sure at this point if Amy really believes that or if this is part of the act. If this oh, is part of like the, this is this is the role that she's been assigned to play. Yeah. Mm, because remember possible. at her bungalow they were sleeping in separate rooms. So Simon is, I think Simon is legitimately not leading her on. So if Amy is does believe they're together, it's entirely on Amy believing right. that they're together. And if she doesn't, it could just be because that would keep Kieran from being honest with her about his feelings towards Simon. Mm-hmm. So it would create a more insular relationship between Simon and Kieran. Right. So, I mean, we know that the undead liberation army pretty good at manipulation and radicalizing. Mm-hmm. It's entirely believable that they have encouraged Amy to do this because it's in uh, Kieran's best interest. To be recruited. To be recruited. Right. So I can kind of see that. But then we go back to Fred again because Fred is talking and he's complaining about how he was really only dead two weeks. All of two weeks. Full dead for Full two dead weeks. for two weeks. And he doesn't want to hear, oh, because he's talking to another PDS sufferer because they're walking to get their assignments for the day. And she's like, don't you think this was a gift, like a second chance, a chance to come back and have a different life and be better this time? Like, not only did we come back, but we're immortal now. And Fred's like, yeah, I don't care. It's not a gift. This sucks. And I don't want to hear anything about how it was a gift. And she's like, "Hmm, you'll think differently eventually. And then we finally get to the like meeting hall where the PDS sufferers are getting their assignments. Their work assignments for the day. And it's Philip and the scraggly haired guy, whose name I think is Dean. And they are mm-hmm. assigning PDS tasks for the day. So they assign like four people to the bed and breakfast to help clean it, including yeah. the mother-in-law. And the mother-in-law is like, seriously, she's getting some unpaid help. Like, she needs it. She's like, I lived and died in that house. And Dean's like, well, then great. You'll be real good at cleaning it. You'll know your way around. You'll know your way around it. And Simon and Kieran get sent to the hospital. 
But Amy is assigned to stay with Philip. Hmm. And Philip looks for Philip. Real, real sus about it. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, Philip. she's staying here with me. And so they're all getting on their bus to get driven because none of them have none of them have um driver's licenses. Driver's licenses. That's why he's trying to sell his car. Not only do they not have driver's license, but they're not allowed to have them. Right. Uh okay. And so they're all getting bussed. And so Fred is like, Dean, man, just let me go. Like I wanna go talk I wanna go talk to Haley. It's her birthday. I didn't know I was going to get assigned somewhere far away. Like, can we please just like, can we hold off on this? And Dean's like, no, you went behind my back and got small jobs behind my back. We're not friends like that anymore. And so he gives him a bunch, he gives him money. But the bribe works. He gets to go. And he had asked Dean for 30 minutes and Dean gives him 10 minutes. Which he takes the full day. I don't right. think he goes and does anything he's he supposed goes to do. Yeah, he never comes back. And then we go back to Jem and Maxine Martin because this episode is like a skipping stone. It's bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Hopping is all over. And they're in like a taxi and the taxi drops them off in the woods and Jem's like, this doesn't look like the police station. And Maxine's like, no, no. Uh, show me. Show I need me. To see I, it. I need to see it. I need to make sure that, you know, I'm over all of this. I need to, you know, I authorized this patrol. It was my responsibility ultimately. So I want to make sure I've seen his body. And Jem's like, um... Okay. And then we go back to Fred because Fred is getting his car, the car he was supposed to sell, which right. has his name across the top. <laughs> it's like a muscle car. Yeah. Uh, I guess this isn't the car he wrecked because. No, he mentioned it. It was his friend's car. Oh, okay. And he goes to this storage unit and he tries to open it, but the storage unit door is stuck. Well, yeah, he, he tries to move it, but it's stuck. Yeah. And. He leaves. He leaves. He's like, well, whatever. Okay. And then we go back to Simon and Kieran because now they're having a heart to heart because Kieran is concerned about Amy. He's like, look, man, Amy's my friend and it's really uncool of you to lead her on. And Simon's like, I'm not leading her on. You know, Amy, when she gets an idea in her head, it just sticks in her head. Yeah. And she's the kind of person who needs to know that she's loved. Yeah. And so I give her love because right. I do love her. Yeah, just I just don't love her like that. that. Way. Yeah. And he's he's looking at Karen and he goes, oh, is that what this is about? Because what Karen is really asking is, are you the type of person that pretends to be in love? Are you pretending to be interested in me? Mm -hmm. And Karen needs reassurance that Simon flirting with him is real. Because if he's flirting with Amy and it's not real... Is he flirting with Karen and it's not real either? Right. And Simon's like, I don't lead people on. So if I like you, I like you. And Kieran, when he turns away, he gets this little smirk. It's just a moment, but it's like a... <laughs> yeah, like, this actor does a really good job with like, the Simon yeah. character. Yeah. yeah, Simon and Kieran. Mm -hmm. Because Kieran gets this little like, oh, good. Uh, oh, good. He really does like me. But they are headed to the doctor's office because the zombie or the PDS sufferer, the PDS sufferer that we saw at the very beginning um, when we saw Kieran at the doctor's office is still in this cage because the infrastructure for getting them and taking them to the treatment center is just not there anymore. Right. They're not as responsive. They're just not as responsive. So it's been a while 
but nobody's come and nobody's answering their calls. So it's bound to be a while longer and they smell. And so they got these PDS people to come and clean them, like scrub them down with cleaning fluid. Oh, I thought they were just cleaning the cage. I think they were cleaning them too. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's what it felt like it was implied to me because he was like, oh, they smell. Mm -hmm. So they need to be like hosed down, which is really gross, but sad. Yeah. All at the same time. Um, yeah. Simon is not happy about this at all. Simon's like, why are they in a cage like animals? And they're like, um, because they are animals. And then they go to show them how to get out. Like first Simon's leaning on the cage and one comes over and just puts his hand on Simon's hand. Yeah. Yeah. And they're sedated, but they're still walking around. So the one lady walks in. With like a animal, like a rabid animal loop. Yeah, with the like eight foot pole. Yeah, the rigid like animal pole and hooks it and then like drags it out. And she's like, you're confusing it. You've got to have a firm hand. And so she's like wrenching this poor guy around by the neck. And Simon is enraged. I mean, Kieran's upset too, but Kieran's not like, oh, well, this is this this has got to, to stop. He's like, well... You know, we'll just, we'll talk to the doctor about it. And Simon's like, um. You think the doctor's not involved? Yeah. You think the doctor's better than this lady? They're all the same. Like they're all, the, the living they're are all the They're part of same. the system. Yeah. They're just part of the same system. The system of oppression. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, which, but I mean, uh, fair. Okay. Yeah. The, we know that these people have families and that they can be rehabilitated and they can be turned back into the people that they were. And yet nobody cares. Nobody's coming to pick them up. Nobody's giving them medication. Nobody's working to rehabilitate them. They're just in a cage, stinking up the place. And we get more on that because Simon's not done. Even though Kieran is like, no, we're, he, Simon wants to take them back and treat them himself. He's like, I right. can cure them right now. I can go do it. And so, Kieran's like, no. We're not going to do, like, we're not taking them back to Amy's house right. so they can be in the guest room like this. And get apple cider vinegar. Yeah, and, yeah and inject them with some apple cider vinegar and some homeopathic, I don't know what that's so hard, homeopathic, like, we'll put a diffuser in there with some tea tree oil and it'll be all good. No, come on. Right? That's, Kieran's like, no, no, you're being ridiculous. Oh, but then we go back to Fred because turns out Haley's conference is like three people in a closet and one dude talking to them. I don't know what the, Maybe they didn't have the budget for extras or something. Maybe. I don't know. And then Fred shows up and is honking the horn, which has a very distinctive horn. Right. And he just is obnoxiously honking this horn until it interrupts the and conference. And Haley recognizes it. Yeah, until it interrupts the conference. And Haley has to be like, fine, I'll get him to go. I'll get him to go. So she goes out to talk to him. And she's like, I'm not getting in the car, Fred. You died in a car accident. And he's like... Well, then don't I know the dangers of this better than anybody else? I'm the safest person in the world for you to ride with. And she's like, would you please just go? Like, this isn't my life anymore. I'm not getting in the car with you. And this is Fred at his most obnoxiously asshole. Yeah. I always dislike the male character that won't let it go. Oh, you know you're going to get in the car with me. You want to get in the car with me. You're going to do stop. it. I'm not taking no for an answer because you don't mean no. You mean yes. Well, no, Fred. She's saying no. Fucking drop it. 
He, but he doesn't. He pushes and pushes and pushes until the next time we see them, she's in the car with him. Yeah. And he takes her up to like a makeout spot. Right. And where he took her before. Yeah, where he's taken her before. And they're like, you know, remember when we used to come up here and all this fun stuff we used to do here? And she's like, Fred, you got to move out. Like, this isn't me getting back together with you. This is me giving you a safe place for me to tell you that it's over and you need to leave. And he's like, of course, Amir wants you to say that. And he, she's like, no, this isn't It's Amir. not Amir saying that. This is me saying this. And we're going to come back to this because, again, he doesn't believe no means no. Yeah. He's like, no, no, that's not. Okay, I, I don't hear you. I'm not listening. And she's like, well, because you never listened and you were never around. This romantic idea of the relationship that we had was your relationship, not mine. Mine was you being gone all the time. And being... I had to call my mother to take me to the hospital when I got appendicitis. Yeah, my appendix burst and my mom had to take me because I couldn't get a hold of you. That was my reality of our relationship. Was you were fun, but you were so un irresponsible and yeah. ir unreliable that you were never around. It was like have, being with a child. And it was fun to be with you. And it was fun to do stuff with you. But that's not the kind of person that you spend your whole life with. And we kind of leave it there. Because then we go back to Maxine and Jem. Because Jem is like, hold up. Why well, are we? And uh, one more thing about Haley is he's like, well, you already, you know, you missed your conference. And she's like, no, no. I told them I'd, I'd be half an hour. So I need to get back. Yeah. And yeah. so she... She expected that she was going to get in the car with him. And so she accounted for that yeah. to, to not burn her bridge yeah. with this training seminar she was yeah. at. Yeah, I'll mitigate this, but I'll be back. And then we go back to Maxine and Jem. Because Jem is finally like, hang on, what are we doing? Why, are, why do you need to see Henry's body? What, what is happening? And Maxine is like, well, you don't seriously think that I'm going to tell anybody that you killed him. Do you? Right. This is where we really explicitly find out that Jem is the honorable person in a group of collaborator collaborators. Yeah. Because Maxine is like, well, Henry killed hundreds of people. And he and, didn't regret any of those. And he was told that he didn't have to worry about that. And then he got a free pass. Yeah. He was not punished for that at all. You've killed. You were a war hero. You killed people in the line of duty. You saved lives. You destroyed PDS sufferers. And you have every right to do that. Shouldn't you get a free pass too? This is a really scary line of reasoning. Her, right. Like, the, because they harmed people when they were not in control of themselves, they're still responsible for that. Like, are you responsible for things that your body does when you are not there? That's a... That's that, a big question. Yeah. And Maxine is cl clearly has made up her mind, which is, yes, yeah, if your really hand did posing, it, you did it. Yeah. We're really posing a lot of deep rhetorical topics. Yeah. I listened to a really good podcast called um, This Is Actually Happening. And they have one where this girl, through a whole series of events in her life, ended up like highly medicated because instead of 
Um, like psychiatrically. Yeah. Instead of being treated for what was happening to her, it was treated as a delusion and she was given medication. So she, anyway, she ended up on all the psychiatric medication and she was having like side effects that were psychiatric side effects. And so she ended up driving her mom's car head on, like they were driving and she grabbed the wheel and turned the wheel head on into another car because she was having like obsessive suicidal thoughts and she couldn't make them stop. And once she got off all the medication, she was like, what the fuck did I do? And this is an interesting conversation that I think needs to be had is if you are taking a medication or you're prescribed a medication, if you are prescribed a medication that puts you in an altered mental state, where does the responsibility lie? Right. And there's no easy answer to that. And I think that it's interesting that they talk about that at all in this, but that's effectively what we're saying. Are you still the villain if it wasn't you? If it was just you were not in control of your body, you weren't present. You were mm-hmm. you were a untreated PDS sufferer. You you had no control over your actions. And you had no control over rising in the first place. None of that was a choice. So are you responsible for what you did or not? Yeah. But then we get more Amy and Philip. <laughs> I oh, don't know. Philip. I have a feeling Amy and Philip's like sideline plot is going to become my favorite mm-hmm. because Amy is being so antagonistic to Philip. And Philip is just like, she's so cute when she's angry with me because yeah. she's using this hole puncher, but she's not punching any holes. She's just lifting the hole opening puncher and up closing and it, opening and closing it and making this loud, like rhythmic rattling noise. And so finally Philip is like, Hey, uh, so, um, but you want to know what you're doing here. And she's like, you wanted me here. And he's like, no, no, I have no, no control. It's a, it's a random It's all completely process. random. She's like, you guys get up early and you write our names on pieces right, so of paper. So as he's trying to explain it, she's just talking kind of over she's him. She's calling him out on his bullshit. She's yep. like, this is not a random process. You put the names in a hat and then you draw them. You wanted me here. What do you want me here for? And he's like, well, I was looking into your background and it looks like you're a really educated person. And I thought maybe you would enjoy a position that let you use some of your like natural talents, Uh, like being my secretary. So she's like, you want me to be your secretary? And he goes, um, personal assistant. (laughs) She's like, I'm to answer the phones. And he's like, yeah, and take notes and, you know package letters and stuff you know you're gonna be my personal assistant and she's like fuck you philip <laughs> she really does not want to be there <laughs> it's so funny she's like oh oh okay you're trying to is this a compliment i don't get it so you're you're making me the like you're keeping me here against my will because i'm smarter than everybody else i don't understand what you're trying to say right and philip is just like i'm just happy to have you here like i'm just happy to have you near me i don't care how angry you are at me i don't know if he were a more despicable person this would be harder to take but i feel like philip is just misinformed right i think he's been raised in this town this culture and he's not malicious he's just i don't know like uneducated he hasn't been exposed to like other 
ways of doing things. Yeah, he's small-minded because he's from a small town, not and because he's never he grown is small-minded. That. Yeah. And if he were Gary, I would 100% believe this was malicious and gross. Right. But he's not. And uh, he, this actor is doing a very good job of like underneath this feeling of needing to comply with the current political atmosphere in order to advance his career is a good dude trying to reconcile that. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I think we're going to get more of that and I'm excited for it. Hopefully. Or we're going to be like, fuck Philip every time we see right. him. Right. He, he yeah. definitely conveys this innocence. We're, we uh, are at the uh, we're at a turning point for this relationship. Either Philip's going to get more endearing, or he's going to get more gross and pedophile-y. Not pedophile-y, because she's twenty, pervert. but perverty. Yeah, yeah. It's we're we're at a crossroads. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see which way we're about to turn. But right now, it feels endearing, especially later when her hand is shaking again, and he's like, "Oh, are you cold?" And she's like, "No, I'm not fucking cold." Right. So he just walks he's away, like, oh, okay. but then he. We see him in the background. He turns up the thermostat, turns, and she's, yeah. she sees him do it, and she's like, fucking idiot. <laughs> she's like, oh, idiot. <laughs> and I I feel like the direction we're going here. Enemies is, to lovers? Right. Um, <laughs> I feel like Amy is going, I, um, a likely narrative is that Amy is going to realize the difference between the way Simon treats her and the way Philip treats her. Yeah. What is actual like affection a, and a what is a difference between like yeah. real romantic love and affection and attention and the kind of reciprocal like I'm going to give to you and I'm going to support you in what you want to do versus just giving you lots of signals. Yeah. Which the kind of affection that she or attention that she's getting from Simon, I think she knows is a little shallow. Mm-hmm. And that's why she's she was digging so hard at Kieran to get like reassurance that yeah. Simon is actually into her. But she's because she's not getting it from Simon. Yeah. Whereas with Philip He's, she's getting all of the, all the little actions, the little things that he does because he, he's always caring about her. Whereas with yeah. Simon, it's like only when it's convenient or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's a more um, filial love or like a family love, like a, um, we're in proximity and I respect you. Mm-hmm. And I view that as love as opposed to I really, really, really adore you as a person and I want to get to know you better, which mm-hmm. is the vibe we're getting from Philip right now. And I'm excited because otherwise everything in this is so shitty and heavy and difficult to deal with that this this sweet little love story is absolutely needed. Yeah. Yeah. To keep it from being just like, oh, shit, this is so dark. And heavy and ugh. And all the humans are assholes and all of the PDS sufferers are oppressed and ugh. So I'm glad we include this. And mm-hmm. I'm really hoping it goes the way I'm hoping it's going to go because I feel like it will continue to provide a much needed lift mm-hmm. in an otherwise dark narrative. That's usually my problem with like some 
modern television shows is we don't balance it. We make it very grimdark, which there's a place for grimdark. But after a while, grimdark is just like, oh, my God, so dark. But anyway, we go back because Maxine and Jem have found where Henry should be. And Henry ain't there. And Henry ain't there because Gaz has been busy. Gary spent the entire morning hiding the body. And by hiding the body, I mean burning it, separating the bones, and burying them separately. Gary knows what he's doing, and that should terrify everyone. Yep. Gary's like, oh, no, no, all right, it's fine. This is just Saturday. This is fine. Cool. And there's a more nefarious thing that just happened here, but we don't find out till the very end. Um, But Maxine's like, well, good. You've already taken care of this. I don't want this to become a regular occurrence, but like, I'm really happy that you were so efficient and you've already dealt with this. Yeah. And Jem's like, oh my God. Like what? Who is in the right Have I gotten myself into? Yeah. Yeah. We're working towards radicalization on both ends, which is what happens when you fear monger and you spread hate as doctrine Mm -hmm. is you force people to one side or the other. So it's forcing all of the PDS sufferers to one side and it's forcing all of the humans to the other side. Instead of bringing them together, it's driving a wedge. And poor Henry's mother is trying to talk to Philip. And she's like, which picture should we use? I've got this one or this one. And he's like, for what? She goes, for the missing persons flyer, Philip. I love how Philip is always trying to be authoritarian and everyone's just like, Philip, I know you. You've lived here your whole life. Like, I knew you as a child. Don't fucking talk down to me right now. Don't be pedantic. I know you, Philip. And he's like, oh, no, no, you have to wait 48 hours. And she's like, 48 hours for what? He's like, to report him missing. And Matt was like, hang on. If you have to take your medicine every single day, shouldn't it be more of an issue if a PDS sufferer is missing? Right, if you've been missing for 48 hours and if you don't take your medication at 24 hours, you revert into a violent like destructive creature yeah uh let's prioritize prioritize finding those people i think philip just doesn't know what to say right because philip is trying to act like he knows what's going on and he really doesn't and that's exactly what the woman calls him out on right but in the meantime she's finally like uh Okay, whatever. Like, I'm going to go talk to the... Like, you're not who I need to talk to, Philip. Clearly. Right. She's like, I'll, I'll, I'm going to wait. I'll come back I'll come back when Maxine's here. here. And then the phone rings and Amy picks it up and she goes, Village of the Damned, how may I help you? <laughs> and Philip's like, you can't answer the phone like that. And she's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. And so she goes, oh, they already hung up. And she hangs the phone up. And he's like, why are you like this? This is when he turns the thermostat up. And then we go back because Simon is continuing his crusade to liberate the unliberated <sighs> so he pours all the cleaning fluid down the sink and then he's like oh kieran i used it all up i think i need another one but i need you to ask because i don't trust myself to talk to her because i'm feeling so strongly about her right now yeah i feel like i might yell at her or do something angry so can you just be like the go-between and he's like oh okay so he goes to get her to get it and so she pulls the key and she goes to unlock it and Simon sees where she gets the key right. from. Right. So Simon just walks up while she's not looking and takes the key. And I love that Kieran is onto him immediately. Kieran's like, don't do that. Don't use me like yeah, that. Yeah. I like that we're not dumbing Kieran down. Yes. Yeah. They're not making be, him an idiot to, to facilitate cheap conflict. Yes. Cause he's like, 
give the key back, Simon? And Simon's like, fine. So he gives the key back. But then he like gives a suspicious glance over toward Kieran when he hands it back. And he's like, you know, you'd, you'd lose your head if it weren't screwed on or whatever. Yeah. And she just takes it and hangs it up. But she's. He, at this point, is like, I thought I knew what side you were on, Kieran, and it turns out you're not on my side. So we're done. Yeah. We're done. And then we get go back to Fred, because Fred is getting all dressed up, fixing his makeup, mm-hmm. getting all... And he leaves a note. He leaves a note for Haley. And he, well, he's looking at himself in the mirror, and he has a watch, and his timer has gone off, and... and We've seen that happen as a reminder for him to get his medicine. Yeah. But the blue, like, um, gas station. Watch. Like, $5 watch. Doesn't go with Doesn't go with the suit. Yeah. So he takes it off and he puts it in his drawer. Yeah. Uh, Because he wants to look really nice. Earlier, when Henry's mom was talking to Philip, she very pointedly mentioned, I thought their medicine wore off, like, within an hour Right, if they don't within take it a few hours if they don't take it on time. And that's really like, here's a timestamp for you guys for later. And I was like, oh, shit. Someone, someone's going to miss their dose. Miss their dose. And as soon as he t- took off his watch, I was like, oh, here yeah. we go. Here we go. But Maxine, Right, and so I thought that was a really elegant way to introduce the opportunity, a, a feasible, like plausible opportunity for... Yeah. Freddie to miss his medication because he's he's just trying to look nice for Haley. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just he's so in denial of what he is. He's not aware of his own needs and the severity of what happens if he doesn't take it. But Maxine finally comes back after her adventures with Jim and Gary. And she hears about Henry from Philip because Philip's like well, you know, I was dealing with something. I, there's a, a missing boy, a missing high schooler. And she's like, okay, is he PDS or is he human? He's like, well, he's PDS. And she goes, okay, well, then what do you want me to do about it? And it doesn't matter. And Philip is like, uh, what? What do you mean it doesn't matter? And Maxine looks up because Amy walks across the doorway and she goes, are you fucking serious? <laughs> and Philip's like, yeah, she's here to help out. And he, Maxine's like, I don't no. want her here. Absolutely gotta go. Not. You gotta tell her to go. And Philip's like, Well, what do I say? How do I tell her to go? And so Maxine just looks up and she's like, Get the fuck out. And Amy's like, Not a problem. Don't have to tell me that, twice. And she just leaves. And that's we are Maxine's mask is slipping more and more. Yep. Yep. As she's realizing how many people I think are on her side. Right. How much she doesn't have to mask. Right. This is the problem with bigotry. Is it feeds other people's bigotry and it's like a resonance chamber. Once you're in that echo chamber and you think everybody agrees with you, it just makes your voice louder. Yep. It doesn't make you right. So Maxine is um, trying to find out more about Henry because Henry is missing and it is potentially a problem. But he's not actually missing. She knows exactly where he is. Right. But she's just doing this to reassure the mom so that this situation remains under her control. So she and Philip go to talk to the mom. But the mom is um, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs a little bit. She thinks Henry can read minds. And, uh, yeah, it's a little. Yeah, she thinks he's psychic. Yeah. And she's like, I know he denies it, but 
I really do think he's psychic. And she's like, okay, so um, what did he remember from the rising? And the mom's like, uh, what does that have to do with him missing? And Maxine's like, oh, you know. Um, oh, she mentions that there's there's a mythology like accumulating yeah. about you know the the first risen being special, and we know the first risen were in Rorton, so you know he may have, as a person who rose in Rorton, like yeah, he, he may be considered special by the Liberation Army. Yeah, so he could have fallen prey to them, or he could have joined them, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and also Maxine wants to make sure that the first risen didn't get killed, like mm -hmm. the absolute first risen person. Um, so the mom is like, yeah, he said when he came out, he just remembered feet, people walking all over his grave, other people that had risen. And Maxine is like, oh, okay, I don't know. Okay, so he anymore. wasn't the first. Yeah, okay, yeah. so bye. And she's done with that. And we go back to Fred's wife, Haley, because she finds the note. And basically he wants her to come meet him. Yeah, he. we see him in his suit as he's leaving the house. He leaves a little note on the table. And we don't know what it says until Haley reads it. Right. And it's basically that she wants him to come to... He wants her. Thank you, yes. Yeah. He wants her to come to the storage unit. Yeah. Okay. It's like written in code. It's like, meet me at the place that we did the yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like, leave now, happened. meet me yeah. at this place. Yeah. Yeah. But it's his storage unit. Like, okay, that's fine. And then we cut to Simon, because Simon is having uh, a meeting, a uh, a gathering, like a church Group, a sermon. A sermon that he is our replacement for the vicar. Right. But in the other but he's radicalizing a different group because he's talking to the other zombies in Rorton, the other PDS sufferers in Rorton, and getting them to go um au naturale. Yep. Yeah. He's like And so at the end of his long hide? speech, he has a bowl of water and a washcloth and it's like there's a whole line, like one side of the room yeah. all have their makeup on and the other side does not. And so he has this washcloth. He rings it out. He says, who wants to go first? Yep. And this is a very, uh, we're hitting the religious overtones subtly, but steadily because this is a very Jesus washing your feet kind of moment. Like yeah. who, who will be the first to wash you know, to wash your neighbor's feet or whatever. And so this one lady gets it and she's rubbing her makeup off. And I was like, from a special effects perspective, yeah, this is really damn. cool. That's a really good, that's because she's got to wipe off makeup and but still have makeup under, underneath. Yeah. Not the undead makeup. Yeah. This is really cool. Matt was like, maybe latex. Yeah. Something. Maybe the, I'm thinking yeah. they did like the undead makeup and then put like, I was thinking maybe they did the undead makeup and then did like a latex layer. Yeah. Like super clear latex layer. And then did the human makeup on top of that. Right. So this is when Haley meets Fred at the storage unit. And it's kind of a, he's like we've done with our storage building. He's made it more of a hangout spot. It's got lights. Garage. It's got a phone. Yeah. It's a garage. Yeah. And as soon as she goes in, the door that's been stuck half open or a quarter of the way open all day slides shut. And she's like, did you plan that? Right. So when he went and checked it earlier, he was really just checking that it was actually stuck and the whatever he'd rigged up was still in place. Is that what we think? That's what I think. Oh, I think okay. he planned for her to get stuck in the garage with him. Well, I'm not sure because when he finds out 
as we find out very quickly, he didn't take his medication. And when he realizes he's going rabid, he doesn't open the door. So he doesn't leave. He doesn't know how to open the door. Right. I think it is really just stuck. You think so? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. It could go either way. I don't know what that thing she holds up, the tab she has. Oh, because when he proposed to her, he used a tab from a soda can as a oh. ring because he didn't have a regular ring. And she's like, you didn't keep the the one you actually gave me. He's like, no, no, I, I found that one on the side of the road. And it was the same kind. Yeah. So I picked it up and it's symbolic. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. I gotcha. Okay. So Haley, this is when Haley is like, listen, I like what I've got with a mirror. We don't go out clubbing every weekend. We save money. We go to restaurants. We talk about books. And Matt was like, we need to, we need to cut that out so that we can. Yeah, that we need to make a, a reel out of that. Are you us? <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this is, she says, it's a mature relationship. Yeah. Like, it was fun and wild and exciting, but unreliable. And she was alone a lot of the time. And yeah. He was undependable. Yeah, and a mirror makes me happy. And they're I building know I a life together yeah. that they can grow together in. Right, that she feels comfortable, safe, and protected in. And she lets him down really sweetly, I yeah. thought. She was like, the me that loved you still loves you, but I'm not that person anymore. So I did love you. It wasn't a lie. And if I was still that person, I would still love you, but I'm not her anymore. I've changed. And you haven't. But you can. You can go off and get another life. And he's like, but I can't have a life with you. And she's like, no, but you can still have another life. Right. It's not the end. It's not the end. Aren't you glad you've been given this opportunity? If you were just dead, you wouldn't have this opportunity at all. But I'm not the person who loved you anymore. And you have to let me go because she's gone too. And we go back to their house and Amir hears beeping because Amir has come home and she's gone. Right. And there's been this thing beeping. Well, he's trying to give her a cake, remember? And then she's like, listen, there's something I have to go do. Yeah. And so she told him. She was like, he came to my office. He honked he his took horn. Me out we for went lunch. for a ride. Like, she hasn't hidden any of what he's been doing from Amir. Right. She's been keeping Amir up to date with her relationship with bread because this isn't a relationship and she doesn't have to hide it right and she's basically like i told amir i was coming here to tell you goodbye and he's waiting for me back at home and i'm gonna go back home but amir finds the watch and it's beeping and he's immediately like oh shit and he's off right yeah he doesn't hesitate and at we, all. we see him open up the medicine case yeah so he's like shit this beeper's going off i know this fucking guy has been living in my house yeah. for six months. I know that he uses this watch to remember yeah, to take his medicine. Does. Yeah. And then he confirms that the medicine's there. Shit, he didn't bring it with him. Right. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I know what I need to go do because Haley told him where she was going. Right. So he just heads to the storage unit. Right. Yeah. He knows that Haley is at the storage unit. And poor Fred. Has finally has realized he forgot his medicine because right. his nose starts leaking like black fluid. Yep. And he tries to get Haley to kill him. Yep. He's here's a big hammer. He's like, you got to bash me. Like, you got to do it. Yeah. 
Which, I mean, okay, it's sweet, but also you can bash your own head with a hammer. Fred. Right. You could have taken yourself out of commission instead of once again outsourcing this to Haley to take right. responsibility like you could have, you. You could have secured yourself to the wall. You could have, like, tipped something heavy. Like, there's big, heavy equipment in there. You could yeah. have tipped that over on yourself. Yeah, pinned yourself in some yeah. way. Yeah. Yep. But he doesn't. He's just like, Haley, you do it. And Haley's like, no, I'm not going to hit you in the head. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be the one that does this. I'm not going right. to be the one that has to remember having done this. And there's a phone in there, luckily, because she calls around. And Gary is on his way. And Gary calls Jem um, to get Jem to come because. Yeah, he calls the landline because they don't all have cell phones yet. Right. And. Kieran is the one who picks it up and he's like, okay, well tell Jem that Fred and Haley are stuck and we need to go rescue them. And Kieran's like, okay. And he just, he goes, right. he's like, I'm not telling Jem, I'm just going to go. Right. Cause Jem was like, no, don't tell him I'm here. Right. And so Kieran arrives immediately and slides underneath the door as a mirror is there. They get the door, get, Gary yeah, gets Gary the door open enough. to get the door open yeah, enough. Yeah, this door must be really stuck because it, this truck barely opens it. And Amir and Kieran immediately slide underneath. And Fred has gone full rabid at this point. And Kieran and Amir end up able to kind of push him down. He, They get him incapacitated. And Kieran takes his contact away to try to get him to calm down. Right. He's like, like we're the same. We're the same. Get him know. to recognize him as a fellow zombie. And, but because he, he hasn't gone like full gone. He's not yeah. completely gone. He's just out of control. And so Amir actually stands between. Well, and then Gary comes in with yeah, his gun. Yeah, because Gary's going to shoot him. And Amir saves Fred. He's like, don't do this, Gary. This is going to, he's not that far gone. We can just give him his medicine. And so they do. They give him his med. Amir administers the medication to right. save Fred. Yeah, he's Freddy's going like attacking, yeah. and Gary's got his gun on him, and Gary just shoots him in the leg, right? Instead of shooting him in the head. If Amir were the character we were expecting him to be, he would have let Gary shoot him, but he won't let him do it. Right. And I like that. Yeah. Because I get tired of the scripted post-apocalyptic type shows. Where everybody's an asshole. Right. Only and, only the like self-centered assholes have survived. Right. I love it when we actually get real people. <laughs> like mm -hmm. there's a whole range of different types of people. There's Gary's, but there's also Amir's. And that's it's it's really nice. And Fred is really our cautionary tale for this episode. Because we have realized how close they all are to being out of control. We've been reminded of how close they all are to being out of control, but we've also been reminded how close the humans are to being out of control. Right. It hasn't, for them, it has not been that long Yeah. since they've had to be vigilant and you know, kill these PDS sufferers. Right. And Gary was making the choice to be harmful, and Fred was not making the choice to be harmful. Right. Fred did it because his med. Uh, yes, he should have been up to date on his medication. But when faced with the reality that he was going to harm someone, he tried to take himself. He tried to have himself taken out before he harmed somebody. Whereas Gary has tons of options and would really rather just kill somebody. 
Yeah. And we also, I mean, I think Gary feels empowered by what Maxine did. I mean, he got away with it. Yeah. Jem killed somebody and got away with it. That's got to feel super empowering to Gary. It's the same thing that's happening in the politics in the United States right now is that people are getting away with so much that it's an escalating sense of empowerment. Well, what more can I get away with? What can I do? What else can I do? What can I ban and get away with it? And of course, on the horizon, we see this isn't going to end well for anybody. Right. But in the moment, they're just so excited to have this world make sense again. Because what makes sense is that PDS sufferers need to be taken out of the community. And it got complicated when they realized that PDS sufferers were people. And no, it's easier. But this simplifies it. This it, yes, believing they are the not risk. people makes it simple. And it also makes them not culpable for what they did during the war. Right. Which they're they're not. They're not. But it was completely justified for them to defend themselves. But that, in that has situation. to be hard for some people to rationalize. Yeah. Especially Jem. That's what Jem is up against right now is like, I did things. I did violent things. And I did not think about them at all. Like my friend whose father I killed, I didn't even remember his face. Mm-hmm. And that was her father. And if I hadn't killed him, she would have him back now. That's hard to that's hard to yeah, reconcile. That's a lot. And going back to the old way of thinking that PDS sufferers are not people releases her from that. It's trauma. a lot simpler. It's a lot simpler. And Gary actually goes to visit Jem after all of this. And as sweet and as exciting as the Philip and Amy interplay is, the Jem and Gary one is gross, 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 gross. There is this weird sexual tension between Gary and Jem, and I don't like it because Jem might be 20, but Gary's known her since she was 14. Right. And Gary is Right. She was 14 when she joined the human volunteer force. And Gary is how old? Mm, He was probably in his 20s. Yeah. At the rising. It's gross. And not only that, but he gives Jem... Henry's bracelet. And said, I made this for you. Motherfucker. That is the nastiest thing. That is the most villainous thing I have seen anyone do in the second series. And I mean, killing Henry is also bad, but this. Well, that wasn't villainous. That was, you know, a traumatic episode. This is, this is, this is villainous. This is manipulation. But especially for something that can get called out because Henry's friends might see the bracelet yeah, and be like, oh, Henry gave you the bracelet that She's he made gonna for you. She's going to wear it to school. He showed everybody at school, this bracelet has been a MacGuffin for the last three episodes. We've seen it. Everyone right. has seen it. He's shown everybody that he could, that he has it, and that he's going to give it to Jem. Yeah. Yeah. And Gary did not think and that through because kissed. fucking Gary. So weird. I don't like it. I mean, I like it in the context of the show. It doesn't feel forced. Right. But it yeah, feels gross. It's definitely consistent with Gary's character. Yeah. And they're doing a great job yeah. continuing that yeah. um, repulsive character. Absolutely. And in contrast to that, we see Kieran because Kieran just watched Fred who should have been treated as someone like someone having a psychotic episode who needed their medication, 
which was how it should have been dealt with. Instead, yeah. it was treated like he was a monster. Right. And Kieran doesn't like it because Gary was able to shove him around, push him in the back of his truck, and there will be zero consequences for Gary. And Gary tells him that. He's like, I can do whatever I want to you guys. And you can't stop me. And so Kieran's like, fine, I'll be radicalized. So he goes to Simon. And Simon's like, oh, did you finally realize that, like, they're not the good guys? And Kieran's like, yeah, and also, I wanted to come make out with you. Because then Kieran and Simon are kissing at Amy's house. Mm, and Amy's there. And Amy's there in her sweet little 1950s bedroom. Mm -hmm. It's so cute. I love her whole her, aesthetic. her Nan's house. Yeah, and that's also her, like, the way she dresses, yeah. and that's her whole aesthetic, but. Anyway, that's where it ends, is Jemima is making out with Gary, and Kieran and Simon are also making out, which is less ick, but ick because Simon and Kieran both know that Amy has the hots for Simon, and now they're making out in her um, vestibule. Yeah. But not a great friend move, but maybe ultimately a good friend move, because it will expose the fact that Simon isn't who Amy thinks he is. I don't know. We're going to see how that's going to play out. Yeah, to see whether Amy's role is... Yeah, uh, where are we going to go from here? Whether she's acting or whether she's caught up with Simon. Where are we going to find out? We've got three episodes. Yeah. This was another... This this had a lot. This was a lot of, oh, God. You have to, you're keeping up with a lot of storylines. And they're giving you just these tiny snippets. We don't get... We don't live a long time with any particular storyline. And I think that's what made it feel slow. Right. Because we weren't seeing advancement. In individual clips. We were seeing them as like throughout the episode. And I I don't mean slow to be a bad thing. No. I I was just saying it's slower. It was a it slow felt burn. slower yeah. narratively. Yeah. In, in a good way. Right. It lacked the intensity of some of the previous episodes because we were yeah. doing more like emotional work. Um, some more emotional heavy lifting. Yeah, there were more like active dramatic scenes. Yeah, where we were like, okay, what is Kieran going to do when faced with the realization that, you know, PDS sufferers are less than people? Right, and here we're doing a little more setup yeah. for active dramatic scenes later. Right. Yeah, exactly. Alrighty, I think we've talked about this long enough. On to episode four! Woohoo! The last third of the entirety of In the Flesh. Oh, I did find a link to the podcast or the guy, the um, Dominic Mitchell who wrote this series. He has a GoFundMe where he is trying to earn enough money to write out the scripts, to, to pay himself for the time to write out the scripts okay. for season three. And I posted it on the Patreon as public. So if you're okay. interested in going and donating to the GoFundMe to try to get the third season at least written so we can read it, um, that is available on the Patreon. There's a link. And, and you that put a link in the show notes? I, I always put a link to the Patreon in the show notes. Okay. And I can add a link to the GoFundMe as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And the website's up and it's up, up, up. And the submission form is on there. So the submission form is back from obscurity it was and never all the gone buttons are readable and all the buttons are readable and there's yeah it's all 
good. And you can click on the podcast and see all of our different podcasts. And you can click on each podcast picture and it will take you to the podcast website so you can listen to that particular podcast. It's like a real working website. Good job, honey. And there's no merch yet, but uh, the ladies of Feast, Sheath, and Shatter and I have planned, uh, have already planned at least one merch thing that I'll be making some prototypes of this week. So I'm excited. Cool. All right. So remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.